0: All right, let's take our Bibles and turn to Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, "...but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience." The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, nor given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the work of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloying, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we pray now in Jesus' name, God, that you would help us these next few moments. I pray that the word of God would speak to hearts and may thy will be done and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject, on the blueprint for a healthy church, the blueprint for a healthy church. Now, if you'll notice in verse number 1, the Bible says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. And then you'll notice uh, in verse number 8, the Bible talks about sound speech. So as Paul is speaking to Titus here in chapter number 1, he's dealt with establishing biblical leadership and ridding the church from uh, from any apostasy or any false doctrine or error but now Paul is dealing with uh, the church and he's dealing with the body of the church and in that uh, Paul uses the phrase sound doctrine and sound speech and I pointed these uh, two phrases out because we find the word sound is mentioned both times in verse number 1 and then again in verse number 8 and uh, that word simply means in our text healthy and so Paul is saying in verse number 1 but speak thou the things which become sound or healthy doctrine and Then he talks about a sound speech that cannot be condemned or a healthy speech that cannot be condemned. So I would say that it's impossible to have a healthy doctrine if it's not sound doctrine or have healthy speech if it's not sound speech. And so Paul is emphasizing that to Titus in this text here uh, because what he does is he lays out in these verses here uh, the blueprint for how to build a sound or a healthy church. Now Titus must be clear in his doctrine in order that the church might be clean in their deeds. And so Paul is emphasizing that and we'll see that here in just a few moments as we begin to look at these verses here. But I want to just say on the outset of this message that uh, our churches ought to be strong spiritually, sound spiritually, and they need to be healthy. Amen? Uh, If you and I are going to be what God wants us to be, we've got to be sound in the faith and the only way to be sound in the faith is to be sound in what we believe and in our doctrine, and so Paul is going to deal that with that here uh, in, in this text. I want you to notice that uh, how that uh, uh, you build a healthy church, or how that you uh, have a healthy church here, uh, begins number one, as Paul begins to speak, he talks about the saints who are known by their years, so if you and I are going to have a healthy church, if we're going to uh, be a part of a healthy church, then It means that uh, it involves those saints who are known by their years. He begins to deal in verse number 2 down to verse number 4 with the aged men and the aged women. Uh, Those are the uh, part of that congregation that have the years of experience. And so Paul begins to deal with that first here in our text. He speaks to the saints who are known by their years. We're talking about the blueprint of a healthy church. Now, when we look in verse number 2, notice he said that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. So Paul, as he begins to talk about these aged men here, and he lists these things here concerning the characteristics of, of a sound, aged elder in the church, Paul, you'll notice that uh, the commandments in the, that he gives are in this order. First of all, they're manward, then they're Godward, and then they're selfward. And Paul, uh, you'll see that as he talks about these uh, these characteristics. Notice that he says that these aged men are to be sober, as he says in verse number two, that the aged men be sober. well, we need some sober saints in this hour. We need some men of God amongst our, uh, within our congregation, men of God in our pews that that have that sobriety about them. We live in such a day that uh, is uh, is so uh, nonchalant and casual about everything. And Paul is urging them. Paul is encouraging them. Uh, that they be sober-minded. And so uh, these aged men, these that are known by their years, are to be sober. Secondly, he says that they are to be serious. As he said, that they're to be grave. And that word grave simply means to uh, to be dignified. It means uh, uh, not in a prideful sense, but in a respectful uh, respectful sense. And so uh, the aged men in the church are to carry themselves in a serious, a sobering way that, that, that commands respect. And why I thank God for people in our church, the, the men in our church that, that has that type of testimony. When they say something, because they well, we know that they're serious and sober-minded, when they speak about the Word of God, when they give a testimony or they teach a lesson, it always has an a influence in our life. It always has an effect because uh, we know the characteristics behind the individual that is doing the speaking. So they are to be sober, they are to be serious, and then they are to be self-controlled. Notice he said here that they are to be sober, they are to be grave, and then they are to be temperate. And that simply means that... Uh, they are to have the attitude of the mind which produces self-control. And so they are to uh, bring themselves into uh, into di- into a disciplined lifestyle. When you think about uh, uh, Christians today, that's what Christianity uh, ought to reflect. It ought to reflect one that is surrendered and one that is disciplined. One that they have brought themselves uh, under the control of another. And those that uh, are known by their years in the church, those aged men uh, that are spiritual. Spirit field and walk with God. Uh, they're self-controlled men. Uh, they know how to uh, put themselves under the uh, the authority of the Holy Spirit and also the authority uh, that's within the church. So they're to be self-controlled. They're to be sober. They're to be serious. And then uh, Paul says here that they are to be sound in their faith. In other words, they're to know what they believe and why they believe that. The aged men of the church are ones that, that the rest of the church is looking to uh, for leadership. And we know that the pastor is the leader of the church. He may be up in years, he may not be up in years, but he's to be mature in his faith, not to be a novice. But thank God for those aged men in the church that support the man of God, that that are strong leaders in the church, that people have confidence in, they have respect, and they know that, they, uh, that these men are settled and they're sound in their faith in a time when it seems like there's so much uh, uh, uncertainty uh, within the walls of the church when we're talking about doctrine and we're talking about belief it's good to be around people that you know that they have believed what they have from the from the Word of God for years and years, and and this just gives encouragement and strength to the church. They they support the preaching, they support the pastor, and so it it has a great influence and impact, and it makes the church be be more healthy. They are to be sound in faith, you know. In the walking years of your life, you ought to. Come to, they ought to be a, they ought to be a, a, a stability and a consistency uh, as to where you stand. You ought to be known for your testimony as to where you stand on the doctrine of the Word of God. And so we see that they are to be self-controlled then, and they're to be sound. Then he uses the word charity. He said they're to be sound in faith and in charity. We know that the word charity means love, and this uh, uh, tush, uh, illustrates the fact that they are to be sweet, that they are to have a a charitable spirit about them, that that when we get around them, they're to be pleasant to be around. That's the aged men of the church, that they're to be loving. And I think about men in our church that 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 are up in years, and and God is using them in our church in that way. They're just a blessing to be around. They they just have such a positive spirit, a positive outlook on on life. You know why they is because they are sound in faith. And when you're sound in faith, uh, it produces that Christ-like spirit. Jesus is one that men were drawn to. uh, Those that uh, they loved Him because He had such a gentle spirit, such a compassionate spirit. And so uh, these aged men, these men that are known by their years, are to be known uh, by their charity. They're to be sweet. I think about uh, a dear preacher friend of mine who's up in years now, well into his 80s. And I've heard him preach this several times when I was a teenager I would hear him make the statement older uh, uh, over and older over and over he would make the statement he'd say Lord keep me sweet as I get older Lord, help me be sweet. He, he, he would say oftentimes preaching, he would say, I don't want to get bitter in my old age. I don't want to get grumpy. I don't want to get gripey. I, I don't want to be someone that, that has a negative spirit that that's always looking down and always giving a bad report, never, uh, never showing faith. And I remember him preaching that so many times. And can I tell you, God has honored that request because now that he is up in years, uh, uh, he's just a pleasant person, very positive to be around, always full of faith and always an encouragement. And He has a charitable spirit. He shows love. And so uh, the aged men, those that are known by their years, are to be sweet. And then he says they're to be steady. He talks about having charity, having love. But notice he says in patience. When you think about uh, the word uh, patience here, it's a sign of maturity. And here's a, an individual, an aged man. The Bible said that they're to be known uh, uh, by their years of, of spiritual maturity. That they're to be steady in the walking years of their life. That that they're not just supposed to have love, but to have it in patience. They're they're to be steady. They're to be consistent about that. And I think when you uh, consider uh, older saints in the church, and just because someone has gray hairs doesn't mean that they fit these qualifications, but I'm talking about those that do, uh, we, that's what we think about their life, the steadfastness of their life. And so he talks about the aged men. And then he talks about the aged women in verse number 3. Again, uh, Paul is speaking to saints who are known by their years. and in verse number 3, he says that the aged women likewise, that they uh, be in behavior as becometh holiness. So uh, Paul, when he talks about these aged women, Uh, He links them back to the same characteristics that we see about these aged men. But Paul says to these women, he gets a little more personal with them by saying here in verse number 3 that they are to be in the behavior as becometh holiness. In other words, they're to be separated. They're to be known by their holy women or holy lifestyle. Now, that doesn't mean that that the men are not to be holy. But Paul is emphasizing this in, in the life of these women here, these older women, that they're to be known by their holiness. In other words, that, that's to be their dominant character, characteristic. That we're to know that, they're, that they live a separated life. And I think about some of the women of our church, that uh, that's what they're known for. They're holy women of God. And what a blessing, what an encouragement that they are to the body of Christ. And so they're to be separated. Uh, they're to live a life that of holiness. And they're to portray that. And then he says that they're to be sincere. That they're to not be false accusers. Now that word accused is the same word uh, that is accused that when we talk about the devil, the accuser of the brethren. It's amazing how that uh, saved people sometimes, and rather than reflect uh, the characteristics of God, they can, char- they can reflect the characteristics of Satan if we're not careful. Uh, we can allow the devil to use us in a way that uh, that reflects more uh, evil than good. And so Paul is dealing with those women that are known by their years uh, that they're not to be false accusers. In other words, they're not to be given to uh, to gossip or to scandals or, or become a busybody, but but they are to separate themselves from that as well. Uh, they're to be trustworthy and they're to be someone that, that is to be respected because they have integrity uh, about their tongue and integrity about... Uh, who they associate themselves with as an older individual in the church. And so uh, Paul says that uh, they are to be sincere and they are to be sober as well. Notice he said in verse number, uh, verse number 3 that they're not to be given too much wine and uh, they're to have sobriety about them. And, you know, when you think about wine, that's what it does. It takes that soberness out. And Paul said they're not to be given to much wine. In other words, uh, uh, they are to be known just like the aged men. They're to be known for their, uh, for their uh, characteristic of, of sobriety. I think that uh, that's so important when we think about godly men and godly women, aged men and aged women, that, that they ought to be someone that we can come to for advice for years of experience uh, that can take a problem or can take a, uh, take a question that maybe a younger uh, young man or young lady has that they would ask them and that they can, uh, they can take that question and they can answer it uh, with a sober answer that will help them and bring them further along. And so we see that they're to be sober. And then the Bible teaches here that they're to be sermons, not given to much wine, but teachers of good things. You know, the word teach here is the same word that's used for train. And these aged women, these women that are known uh, by their years, are to, uh, to be sober enough that they have the ability by their own lifestyle to teach the, uh, to teach, uh, uh, be teachers of good things. And what that also means is you're to be able to look at their life, the way they live, the way they talk, the things that they do, the way they dress... And there to be such great examples that when we view them that they teach us not just necessarily by the things they say, but by their lifestyle. You know, anybody can, can, can give good advice, but the advice that really sticks, the advice that really changes our life is an advice that's given by someone that is an example. You know, someone may say the right things, but if their life doesn't back up what they're saying, then it doesn't have a lot of influence But there are some people that never say anything, but by the way that they live, they teach us volumes. And that's the way the aged women and the aged men are to be in the church. Their life is to be such uh, such an open book, such an example to the younger men and the younger women that by just watching them and viewing them, uh, it helps us to know how that we are to live and to walk according to sound doctrine. Concerning the blueprint of a healthy church, Paul speaks about those that are known by their years. And then I want you to notice in verse number 4 that Paul uh, secondly speaks about those who are known by their youth. Amen. Notice he talks about in verse number 4 that they may teach the younger women here. Now when you think about the younger women, uh, in verse number 4 and verse number 5, Paul has some instructions for them as well. Just like he has instructions for the older men, the older women, those that are known by their years. Now, Paul turns his attention to those that are known by their youth and he's going to deal with the younger women in verse number 4 and 5. And what he says to them in verse number 4 here is that they are to be disciplined. He says that they uh, that, uh, that they may teach the younger women to be sober. Now, that's interesting but Because uh, when you think about it, Paul uses this word uh, in verse number 2 as he talks about uh, the aged men. He uses it again as he talks about the the aged women in verse number 3. And then Paul uses it in verse number 4 concerning the young ladies. And again in verse number 6, he'll use it uh, concerning the young men. The word sober, sobriety, is a word that Paul keeps emphasizing. That it doesn't matter if you're you're an older man, an older man, uh, an older lady or a young man or a younger uh, lady, every one of us, one of, the, uh, one of the overriding characteristics about our spirituality is that we're to be sober. You know, I think about people today that they're just clowns. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about people that claim to be saved. And there's nothing wrong with with saying something comical and and maybe getting a laugh. I like to laugh. The Bible says that laughter is like a medicine, and a uh, merry heart is like a, a medicine. And so uh, we know that a merry heart, laughter is good, and humor is is good to a point. But we ought to we ought to not be known as being a clown. We ought to not be known as just being a jokester all the time. Uh, <laughs> Nothing wrong with, or like I said, as, as having some fun. But that ought to not be our characteristics. That shouldn't be our testimony. When people look, look at us or think about us or when they talk to us, uh, they, shouldn't, uh, they shouldn't look at us and say, Well, you know, that person's never serious. You know, if that's your testimony, then today you ought to repent. You ought to get right with God about that and stop that today. Start being sober. It doesn't mean be miserable it doesn't mean go around uh, with a gloom and doom and a sad face but it means that you ought to be a serious person you ought to take life serious you ought to take your Christianity serious and and so Paul is dealing with that when it comes to these women they're to be disciplined in their in their in their conversation in their conduct uh, they are to be sober amen they're, they're not to be uh, they're not to be idle in other words and so he says another thing here is that they are to be devoted notice what he said in verse number four to love their husbands and to love their children. You know, the Bible said in Proverbs 18 and verse number 22 that whosoever findeth a wife findeth a a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. They are to be loyal and loving to their companion and to their children. They are to be someone that that is to be uh, devoted to their family. And I think that someone that is devoted in their faith will automatically be devoted to their family. We we must remember that God instituted the home before the church. Now, that does not minimize the church by no means because Christ died... Died for the. He loved the church, and and he died for the church, and gave himself for it. And so we're not minimizing the church when we make that statement, but we know that that the home was instituted before the church, and so therefore, uh, listen. A, a wife is to be devoted to her husband. She's to be devoted to her children. She has an obligation. Uh, there, uh, in that sense, to uh, to uh, love her husband and to and to uh, love her children. So they are to be devoted. They are to be discreet. Notice uh, verse number five: to be discreet, chaste. Uh, listen, they they are to be sensible. That's what that word discreet means. Uh, be sensible. Be self controlled. Uh, you know, as a as a wife, you you've got to practice self discipline in your own life. Getting up in the morning time. Caring for the house, as the Bible mentions that here, that, that they're to be keepers at home, they're to, take, they're to cook, they're to clean, provide for their husband, provide for their children, whether that be in cooking or cleaning or schooling, setting the atmosphere and the tone in the home. Uh, listen, that that's very important for a wife. You'll be amazed at how that uh, the difference it'll make in your husband, the difference it'll make in the life of your children. If there's a godly uh, influence, a godly atmosphere, you don't know what your husband faces from day to day, as he goes out into the war- workforce and uh, all the things in the world that he's facing. And he ought to come home to a pleasant atmosphere. He ought to come home to a clean house. And I understand things may get out of order sometimes, but you ought to make that attempt that when he comes home that the house is clean, that that the food is prepared, that, that things are ready for him to come home to a pleasant evening. And I know everything cannot be perfect, and I don't think you should put the pressure on yourself to, to make everything just perfect every day. We live in a real world, and certainly you live within the walls of your home, but, uh, but I think it should not be a, a pigsty. It should not be. Uh, it should not be a listen. Uh, it should not be a pig pen. It ought to be clean. It ought to be. It ought to be a place that that he comes home to to a godly atmosphere. Put on some. Put on some Christian uh, 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 music. Put on some some gospel music. Put on some good uh, preaching. Uh, build the atmosphere so that when he comes home, uh, it's a spiritual sanctuary. And train those children to. Uh, to be respectful, train them to, to to respect their father, to love their father, and and be that influence in the home. They're to be uh, they're to be discreet. They're to be, uh, as we said, domestic in the fact that they are to uh, domesticated in the fact that they are uh, the workers uh, uh, at home. The Bible says here, good, obedient to their own husbands. You know, the Word of God said in Ephesians chapter number five, wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands. As unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he's the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Obedience means submissive. And you'll be submissive to your husband. Support him. Stand behind him. Submit to his authority, uh, listen, stand behind what he says and don't don 't give him grief don 't if you 've got a spiritual husband then 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 you ought to by all means you ought to support the decisions that that he makes and you say, well preacher my husband's not very spiritual then you ought to submit to him and pray for him and you ought to show godliness before him but don't be a rebellious wife don't Don't stand against him and, and don't be someone that's hard to get along with don't hold grudges and don't have a bad spirit or bad attitude towards your husband and for heaven's sake don't be sweet and nice to every other man that you come in contact with and then mistreat your husband uh, listen and be disrespectful to him and so the bible gives these Gives these instructions to the young women, and gives them to the uh, gives them now to the young men. Notice verse number six here. The Bible says, "Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded." Again, we find this word uh, dealing with sobriety. Be sober. Young men are to be sober. Uh, listen, they are to use their youth uh, uh, in, a, in a, very wise, uh, a very wise way. They are to learn from the older men. And they are to be serious about their youth and, and serious about their accomplishments. You know, you only have your youth for, for, for a certain amount of years. And don't waste your youth. Don't fool around and play around and, and throw away the best years of your life. But be sober. Be sober. Have some goals, have some plans in mind, and, and be headed in the right direction. Be, be serious about, about uh, your spiritual walk with God. Be, spiritual about, be, be serious about life. And that's what Paul is saying here, that they're to be sober. Uh, and then he says here that there, uh, he talks about, uh, in verse number seven, he talks about their service in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. I think uh, to the young men, work should be very, very important. One because, as I said before, you have your youth. You have the ability to work. And when he talks about good works here, he's talking about showing thyself a pattern of good works. Now notice Paul uses the phrase, in all things. That means in the spiritual realm that means on the workforce, that means at home. You know, a lot of times when we think about good works, people say, well, I want to be a good dad, I want to be a good husband, I want to provide well for my family. That's all great and wonderful. And I believe that's in context with the Scripture, and I think that's what you ought to do. You ought to be a good provider. You ought to be a good husband. You ought to be a good father. But let me stop and say this. You will not be a good father. You will not be a good husband if spiritually you're not a good leader. In other words, you can go to work every day, you can punch a clock and you can bring home a paycheck and you can put a roof over their head and you can put food on the table. But listen, that f- still falls way short of being the, the father and the husband you're supposed to be if you let your spiritual life suffer. I've watched so many men down through the years, uh, listen, put such a premium on work and put, and then not put a premium on spirituality. And they'll use their work as an excuse to say, well, you know, preacher, if a man don't work, you don't eat. And, and you know a man's got to work and, and you got to have a job. i got to take care of my family. And all that is true. But I'll tell you what, if you want to be... Uh, listen, the Bible talks about showing thyself a pattern of good works in all things. In other words, don't put your job above your spirituality. don't Don't uh, be such a good provider, but yet you're a, you're a sorry spiritual leader. In other words, you ought to have a personal prayer life. You ought to spend time in the Word of God. You ought to you ought, your family ought to be able to look to you and know that that you walk with God and that you can you can give them godly counsel, godly advice. That you can take the scriptures and they ought to see you read the scriptures. They ought to see you spend time in prayer and they ought to know that your job, yes, it's important, but it's it's not more important than, than your walk with God. It's not more important than your church that you don't put it before your church you don't put it uh, above the things of God that you lead them uh, in personal devotion but you lead them in going to the house of God. I think Daddy ought to be the first one up on Sunday morning and he ought to be the one up listening, and set the spiritual atmosphere Mother has said it all week long but he ought to get up on Sunday morning and set the spiritual atmosphere, turn the radio on, put some gospel music in be an encouragement to your family and say, let's get up, let's get ready, let's go to the house of God, let's be on time, let's be early, let's don't be late. I mean, that's being a spiritual leader. And that's showing yourself a pattern of good works in all things, as the Bible says here. And so we're to, there to be in their service and, and then in their separation. Notice he said in doctrine showing uncorruptness. And that word uncorruptness is, uh, also means, uh, uh, means uh, uh, not tainted, untainted. In other words, that uh, young men, you're to live your life in a way that, that you're to be clean. Don't be tainted by this world. Don't, don't be, you say, well, preacher, I've not been out in deep, dark, gross sin, and that's great. But have you allowed the world to influence you? Have you allowed the world to, uh, to change you, to, to form you, to fashion you? Hey, the Bible talks about here in doctrine showing uncorruptness. Stand firm, young man. Stand firm in your convictions. Stand firm in your uh, in, in your faith and what you believe. I think a young man ought, ought to use his mind uh, in the Word of God and study the Bible. He ought to know what he believes about salvation, what he believes about baptism, what he believes about the local church, what he believes about standards, convictions, what he believes about missions and and so forth, soul winning. Uh, he ought to be firm in those things, and he ought to he ought to show himself uncorrupt, not tainted by this world, so that when they, you know the. The world wants to go after young people today. And young men, you ought to stand strong. If a young lady's going to find her a, a spiritual husband, then she's going to have to find a young man that, in his doctrine, he's uncorrupt. He knows what he believes, knows why he believes it. And Paul deals with the he deals with the separation. He deals with the seriousness again. He ta- he uses the word uh, gravity, and he talks about uh, listen uh, a man that is genuine, a man that is real, uh, one that uh, listen uh, that that they're that they're uh, they know what they believe. Be that uh, listen, be your own individual. And let the Word of God mold you. Let the Word of God fashion you. Don't let the world, don't let, don't let other people influence your life. Maybe someone, that, a friend that you look up to and, and all. Listen, don't let them change you. You be surrendered to the will of God and the Word of God. And then notice he says here, uh, sincerity. As I mentioned before, be genuine. Be a person that is genuine in your faith. Genuine in your personality. Be sincere in serving God. He talks about sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. I think about Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was that kind of young man. Joseph was a sober man. Joseph was uh, sincere. Joseph, uh, listen, he, he showed gravi- gravity. He showed uh, uh, Joseph showed uh, uh, uncorruptness in what he believed in his doctrine. He was one that was of a sound speech that people believed, lost people, believed what Joseph said because Joseph had such a great testimony. And I know that Potiphar's wife lied upon uh, Joseph and Joseph was thrown into prison was never even given a chance uh, to defend himself. But I want you to know that Joseph lived his life in such a way that Potiphar had turned everything over to Joseph uh, before that incident. Joseph uh, was trusted uh, by this world because why? He was sound in his speech. And when you think about that, it ought to be to the point that when somebody does lay blame to your feet, that listen, it ought to bring shame to them. It ought to bring disgrace to them. And in this world, a lot of times it's sad to say that people have lived their life in such a questionable manner that it doesn't take a whole lot for someone to put a question mark on the things they've said and the things they've done to ruin and to mar their testimony. So Paul, he deals with those that, and he speaks about those that are known uh, in the church by their years. He speaks about those that are known in the church by their youth. But now I want you to notice in verse number 9, he speaks about those that are known in in the church by their yoke. Amen? By their yoke. And we're talking about the blueprint for a healthy church. He said in verse number 9, "...exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again." Now, in the Bible said in Ephesians chapter number 6... And verse number five, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and in singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with with good will, doing the doing service as to the Lord, and not not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So when you think about this, Paul gives an admonishment uh, to servants. Now, uh, we don't live in the day of slaves, but we know that, uh, that when we think about the principle of this text here, that it's also dealing with the workforce again. And Paul is talking about that when you work for others and when you serve others, that we are to be obedient. In other words, that we're to serve them diligently, the Bible says here, and that uh, and that we're to please them well in all things. We serve them differently. Uh, listen, we are, to, are working for employment and we're working for, uh, for, uh, for financial uh, purposes. And so our testimony amongst those is, is very important. That's something we don't hear a lot of preaching about today. But people uh, we know as a whole, uh, listen, uh, there's a lot of people that will go to church and they'll sing in the choir, teach a Sunday school class and, or maybe do something within the church. And they're viewed one way at church by people they go to church with but what's their testimony like when they're on the job? You know, the Bible talks about in verse number 10, uh, not purloining. And when you think about that, that means not, uh, not misappropriating uh, uh, funds or not misappropriating time on the job to, 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 be, uh, to not be dishonest. Uh, you know we're not to we're to be honest on the job, not dishonest, and and our testimony on the job ought to be that uh, that we're as uh, just a, as good of a Christian example uh, out in the workforce as we are on ch- in church on Sunday morning. And so Paul emphasizes, and he speaks to those that are known by their yoke that they're to be uh, they're to serve diligently, and they're to serve differently, and they're to serve devotedly. That that they uh, the Bible says here that they're to show all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. In other words, they are to be devoted uh, to their job. Again, I want to emphasize that we are not to be more devoted to our job than we are our church. I think that is something that has hurt the church so desperately is that men, when they're not carnal or when they are carnal and they're not spiritual, oftentimes... Uh, they will put the job above their church and they'll talk about uh, how important it is to have the job. And the job is wonderful, but you all remember this. God gave you that job and you put church first, and you, but you're to be devoted to that job. When you go to it, you're to give them an honest day's work for, for an honest day's pay, and you're to have a good testimony, and you're to speak well of the company. doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that the company is doing, but you are to uh, show a good testimony because you represent your church, you represent most of all the Lord Jesus Christ, but then you do represent that company, and you ought to not do anything that would would bring disgrace, and, and, and you ought to be devoted uh, to to them and that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. I'm talking about the blueprint for a healthy church. When you, uh, Pastor, when you stand up and you look across that congregation Sunday, you're going to see those who are known by their years. You're going to see those who are known by their youth. And you're going to see those that are known by their yoke, talking about uh, those that are still, uh, even though they may be young, they may be old, but they're still working in the workforce. Those are the people that we see. And how we conduct ourselves as a body, the body of Christ, has everything to do with whether or not our church is going to be sound in doctrine, sound in speech, and whether or not it's going to be a healthy church, the blueprint for a healthy church. Father, I pray in Jesus' name now, God, that you'll take the message, speak to hearts. May the will of God be done. I pray that if there's someone listening right now, that maybe there's some area of their life that we touched on uh, in the message today, I pray the Holy Spirit will bring that to their remembrance right now. Help them to repent. Help them draw closer to you. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And amen.